This week on Crime World... There was a Republican police from 1920. I mean, the IRA was effectively trying to run an underground government. And actually, there was a crime wave. 1919-1920, there's a wave of bank robberies, post office robberies, robberies of individuals, robberies of pubs in Dublin and in rural areas as well. So the IRA tried to actually clamp down on that. They, on occasion, solving bank robberies and giving the money back to the banks. Now, I'm Nicola Talent, and you can listen to my podcast, Crime World, wherever you get your podcasts. Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry. Welcome to the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. Folks, on this week's show, I'm delighted to be joined in studio by running expert Mary Jennings, who has just written a brand new book called Get Running uh, and also has a business, Forget the Gym. She's mad about running, but exercising in the outdoors, and she's going to give us all the tips possible to improve both your own running and your own health and to make it accessible, easy, and most of all, free. Mary, welcome to the Real Health Podcast. How's Thank it going? You. Thank you, Carl. It's a great intro. Um, that's yeah, what I'm here to do, really encourage people to get outside and enjoy themselves and feel good. So tell us all about the book, first of all. Yeah, well, the book, I suppose, has been a long time in the making without me realising it, um, because it's full of pictures of people I've helped start running over the last 12 years. So pictures 12 and years. stories. Yeah, I was thinking back, it was 2007, the mini marathon 2007 was the first group um, and they're still going, thankfully, some of them. And um, since then, I suppose, without even realising it, building up the knowledge and the photographs and the stories. Um, and then it all came together last year about putting it all together in one place, really to help other people to see that if, if your friends can do it, maybe you can do it too. And to inspire the people who've done it before and have had a bit of a break and want to come back. And do you find that running has got more popular over the course of the last, say, 10 years or so? Yeah, oh, for sure, for sure. Certainly, um, when I started running, I was in the UK and that was my early 20s. And at that stage, none of my friends ran here. Or really, I didn't really know anyone who was, say, a recreational runner. Anyone who was a runner was proper, you know, a long-term runner from hardcore. school and hardcore, yeah, 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 cross country and, you know, did it since they were a kid. But certainly I think everybody now knows someone who's a runner or someone who's managed to get a spot for the marathon or someone's training for the mini marathon or, or people doing park runs every weekend. You know, it's become much more of a, a social thing and a, a lifestyle thing rather than a, an unusual thing, I think, in the past, the past 10, 15 years. And can anyone run, do you think? It's a question I get asked all the time. Yeah. I think... My, when people ask me, you know, you often get an inquiry and saying, I'd love to start your glasses, but I'm not sure if it's able, I'm not able for it. I would always say if you have any concerns from a medical perspective, certainly get them checked out and talk to your GP. But once you've ticked that box and once you can walk comfortably for 30 minutes, pain free, stress free and enjoy it and, and really at a reasonable pace, um, I think it's certainly worth giving it a shot. You know, if, you know, people say, oh, I can't run. But generally, the reasons they say they can't is because they've tried by doing too much too soon. Of course, or they the classic. Said, yeah, 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 or too fast or, you know, trying to keep up with their friends. And, and they don't really realise that the body that they're trying to run in is not the same as their friends. It's not the same one they had 20 years ago. And they really have to just, I would, it sounds bad to say, but you lower your expectations of what you think you can do. And then you might be presently surprised and then build it up that way. So start slow and start, start small. Start very slow and small. I think so. Um if you finish a run successfully, even if it was a lot of running and walking in it, you're more likely to go out again. Because I think the problem isn't getting running the first time, it's getting running the second time and the third time and keeping it going from there. So if you can make it a success each time, those little wins make you more likely to get out the door. Because as you know from training people as well, getting people to start, you know, to, the first five minutes are the hardest, you know. Mm -hmm. So if you can get over that battle, 
you can and you see yourself improve very quickly as a beginner so it's quite addictive in that way we had a guy in here uh, on the one of the earlier podcasts called Neil O'Brien he's a motivational coach and his big thing is he calls it the 10 second walk okay that if you can do a 10 second walk you're going to be healthier and he uses it as, as a big pitch in his conferences and whatever and his theory is and he's right which is the first 10 seconds so it's getting the runners on mm-hmm. getting at the door and the, the first 10 seconds if you can do the first 10 seconds chances are you're going to keep going because you're there, you've done the hard work and you yeah. get the session done. And, exactly. and running is the very same. Oh, it's for sure. And I think for people, if just literally while I was um, just sitting downstairs, I was just thinking of someone texted me about a run tonight and that they weren't able to go. And I said, well, look, just go for a walk yourself. Wear your running gear. And if you feel like running on the way back, do it. And that way, it's not as intimidating. If you mm-hmm. don't run, it, it just, it's not the end of the world. But there's something about when you're out there and warmed up, you kind of have that urge to run, especially if you've run before. And was running always your thing? Oh, once no. I, once you mention yeah. running, you light up. Your whole <laughs> face lights up. And I think you can hear it even yeah. through the audio of the I fact know, that I just am. how, you know, it really, you're, 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 you're G'd up by it. Yeah, I know I'm pretty passionate about it, to be fair. <laughs> but that's probably because it was such a surprise to me that I enjoy it. Um, because I never would have done sport at school or college or anything like that. It was only when I was living in the UK in my early 20s that I got introduced to it and very slowly built up to the 5K distance and really was amazed that someone who was traditionally not sporty could run a 5K. I didn't know how long 5K was. but And I still remember at the time, I can remember what my time was, even though times aren't important. Mm-hmm. It's still nice to remember. You'll always remember your first time you run a 5K distance. Yeah. And that opened up a whole new world to me. So it was really only since then I would have started getting into it and very gradually went from the 5K to 10K. And that's over a couple of years, you know. And then um, managed to get a place for the London Marathon 2005, which, wow. you know, it doesn't get bigger and better than that. Mm-hmm. And um, trained as well as I possibly could in terms of reading every book, doing everything I could. I didn't really know anyone who had run a marathon before at that stage. Whereas now there's a lot more resources available. This is pre-Facebook days and all the rest of it, you know, (laughs) so we're into the library to get the books. And um, from there, I suppose, it kept on going, you know, we moved on to the ultra marathons from there. And right through my 30s, I suppose, I was doing quite a bit of long distance running and really, really enjoying it. How far ultra? Um, I've done the Comrades in South Africa, which is a hundred oh, yeah. kilometers. Which Co- it's, is coast, it's 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 across it's across yeah, the country, isn't it? It's yeah. across, and it's um, it reverses direction each that's year. Right. You yeah. know, so it's exciting on that, and a few other ones that are actually that's not a hundred. That's um, about eighty nine, and then there's another. I did one initially that was a hundred, so I haven't gone over the hundred k now. But the, the craziness, enough, yeah, it's long enough yeah. for me now. <laughs> it's a day out. It sure is a day out. But I love that. You know, to go away, to train for something, to go away. I, I love food. I love travel. I love seeing different places. You know, and for me, that's. It is literally a day out and, enjoy so and a health, celebration. Health for you has become something that you you travel with it. You travel yeah. for experiences and everything with it. Yeah, mm, it's it's my work. It's my hobby. It's 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 a lifestyle really, and everything in terms of um, what I would shoot. Even my social circle, it sounds like everyone I know does some kind of activity. Or if we're meeting somewhere, you're more likely it might be might go to a park run and see you for coffee after park run or. You know, my poor old friends, you know, the girls, we used to go away for weekends, different places. Now there'll be a, a 10K thrown in somewhere on the Saturday morning or, you know, but that's good too. You know, there's a bit of balance and, you know, yourself, you, you feel that post-run feeling well, hangs you, around for the day. If, you if know. ever anyone was going to write a book about running, it would mm. be someone like you. <laughs> ah, yeah. But it's really, it's just, it's, it's, you know, a lot of people have a background that have always run. And we were talking earlier about um, you know, people who've done sport growing up as kids. It's, they can get run without thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm generalising when I say that lads tend to be a little bit more just get out the door and do it yeah. and not think about it. Where girls, particularly if you haven't been sporty in school, you have a lot of insecurities about appearance, possibly fitness. Am I breathing right? Do I look right? We all think we look like Phoebe from Friends when we're running and we're afraid that other people are looking at us when I think 
guys generally care a little bit less about that and just get on about, mm-hmm. you know, get out the door. Girls need a little bit more, I suppose, care, and yeah. uh, you know, in a different kind of way. Sometimes, not everybody, but if you're not the type, if you don't have that sporty gene in you and if you have the kind of feeling that you're a bit of a fraud being out there, it helps, I think, to build your confidence as well as your fitness. Uh, I'm going to ask you for tips. We, mm. love, we love bringing guests in that we can get tips from yeah. for our listeners, which is important. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm going to, the first batch of tips I'm looking for are for those who are just about to run. Okay. or thinking of running, okay. or maybe really scared of running uh, and are considering doing it for the yeah. first time, hopefully after listening to the podcast. What are the top three or five things that everyone should go through when you're at, at that level, the really beginner level, which yeah. is probably the one that, that they have the most kind of fears about running? Mm. What, what are the easiest things they should do? I think the most important thing that they do is to realise that it is a big deal to get out and do it. So tell someone else you're going to do it or get someone else to go with you so that you know that when you come home there's someone you can say guess what I've done it because even I remember my early days of running knowing that okay I'm going to have to tell them I did it or I didn't do it when I come back makes you continue on and Mm -hmm. it makes you get out the door you know and it's never as bad the putting it off is worse than being out there for sure and it takes way longer to get ready to go for a run than to actually do it, particularly in the beginner stage. So if you have someone to go with you or someone accountable at home or someone to kick you out the door. Yep. So support, I think, support. is probably the big yep. thing. And the support that's the support, I suppose, from a emotional level or from a kind of physical level. From a kind of a training level, then the support in terms of a running coach or a running group or a friend who's already another runner can be a great help as well too. So I suppose surround yourself with people who are supportive of what you're doing and not okay. people who are kind of saying, oh, you're not going to be able for that. You mm-hmm. know, we're all able for it once we go at our own pace. Yeah. And I suppose then my next point would be on pacing. And I joke to the gang that when I'm teaching classes, chat away. I say chat away. If you can talk, you're breathing. And if you're breathing, <laughs> you're running at a pace you can go. And I think there is a temptation for people to feel like they need to look like a runner, that they need to take off and look like they're blasting it along. And I always joke about them that, look, people going past in the car think you're great. They don't think, look at how slow he or she is going. They don't know whether you've just started around the corner or whether you're finishing your marathon training. To you, to to them, you're someone who's out and about running while they're stuck in a traffic jam. So I think if we change how we feel about what others might think of us, Mm -hmm. then we're more likely to be more confident. And then I probably, if I had to give another point for as a beginner, would be to think about technique from the start. You know, I coach a lot of running technique to people who are injured and people who have kind of done everything apart from look at their technique. And every other sport we start out at, you learn how to kick a ball or throw, or I don't know what you do with a rugby ball, but you learn how to know what to do with it, <laughs> I assume, when you start out. But, you know, for tennis or whatever, yeah. we're in school, yeah. you learn all those techniques and how to serve and all the rest. But as adults learning to run, we just assume we can do it. But we are a product of our lifestyle. In what we're doing, we're sitting down. I'm looking at both of us here. We're sitting kind of mm-hmm. half slouched because we're facing sideways into a chair. Um, we are sitting down a lot, possibly. Or I know for me, teaching classes and probably yourself too, you can tend to do things one-sided. You'd favour one leg rather than the other. Mm-hmm. Same, you might be holding children. You might be um, lifting something. You might be driving. Whatever it is, it's not, you can't just hop out the door and run and expect it to be perfect. So I think warming up, loosening out, and then paying a big attention to your posture as you go along and it doesn't have to be over complicated just imagine yourself being a bit taller than you are and trying to so I just always say to people run tall and run relaxed because so many people are heavy and pounding into the ground so run tall and run relaxed so if you're like a tall rag doll I suppose is a bad way to say so you're like a puppet on a string you're mm-hmm. suspended tall but your arms and legs can relax because I think people often they think about posture they think you have to be like it's like army 
military rigid and you're pulling your shoulders back. But as soon as you're pulling the shoulders back, yes, you're opening up your chest, but you're tightening muscles at the back. So if you can get your spine and the muscles around your spine to support your body, you then are taller naturally because you're not slouching into your hips. You're taking the pressure off your lower legs. And also you're giving yourself much more space for your lungs so you can get more air in. So the big fear of beginners of the breathing is, is, is kind of alleviated because you're, you're more taller, you're more relaxed, you're more confident. Mm-hmm. The air can get in better. And then you're putting much less pressure on your lower body. Because I think that's what people fear as well too. You know, oh, you hear shin splints, you hear a stodgy knees. We all know someone on, who tells us not to run. On the shin splints mm. thing, though, that's something we get, get a huge amount from people. Mm. Even in terms of we do um, Q&A on Instagram every Sunday. Normally yeah. I do a Q&A session. We get a, you know, around 100, 150 questions in. Shin splints makes up probably uh, 10% of those questions really, yeah. every single time. Mm-hmm. What's your your tips there? What should people do? What's the best way to uh, to avoid them avoid or to it. reduce yeah. the, 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 the chance of it? Yeah, well, I think, as you said, the word avoid is probably the best, the starting point. Try not to get them in the first place. Um, so where I would see a lot in runners is, and you've, mentioned this I know before a heel strike is where when people run a lot of people take a big step out in front and the first point of your foot to hit the ground is the heel Mm -hmm. and if you just even imagine that I'm doing it put your heel into the ground at the moment when you do that your toes are up in the air and you're tightening say where your shoelaces are and right up into your the front of your shins and that's the area for a lot of people where they might feel tension and tightness but so if every step you take is that banging the heel off the ground and sending a force up the lower leg and particularly up the front of the lower leg and you're say running a 5k which for easy sake, say it's 5,000 steps. Mm-hmm. That is an awful lot of banging off the ground. So it's sending the force up from the heel up through the into the shins. And that is a lot of, lot of impact. Um, so what I try and coach people to do is try and avoid what we call this heel strike. And instead of taking long strides out in front of us, we try and reduce the impact on the lower legs by looking at the posture initially, what we talked about, but then also learning to hit the ground underneath your body rather than out in front. Now that sounds a bit unusual. If anyone's listening to this, so mid, mid-strike. Mid-strike, yeah. the middle of your foot. So, because if you are, say if you were jogging on the spot at the moment, if anyone is, is jogging at the moment, listen, if you're jogging on the spot, try and hit the ground with your heels first and you won't be able to do it. Mm-hmm. It'll feel really uncomfortable. So by moving your, str- your, your foot to hit the ground underneath your body, you're avoiding the heel strike without intentionally trying to ten- put tension on your body. So a really nice way to, do, I, to describe it to people who are trying to do this mid-run is to imagine you're running on a treadmill and that the ground is a treadmill. And if you are imagining that the ground is disappearing back underneath you, all you really need to do is let your feet peel up off the ground to let the ground disappear underneath you. You never need to stride forward with those legs. And by doing that, then you're hitting the ground underneath your body, you're reducing that impact and pounding on the heels, and you're focusing more on your feet floating up out behind you than coming down on the ground with a bang. And I see an awful lot of improvement in people in lower leg pain, both from the shin side of things, which is the impact on the ground, but also on the calf end of things, which is after that heel hits the ground, the back foot then has to push off with the toes Mm -hmm. and it puts a lot of pressure on the calf. So by reducing both of those pressures, you're using much less of your leg muscles to power the run. And then because of that, then um, they they get less of a hit. And then we we move the force of of the run, but the effort of the run up the body. Mm -hmm. Um, Your posture kicks in, then there's not so much of the weight going through your hips. And the big, I suppose, the added bit, the free bonus bit of it, and this is all, it's all a chi running technique is what we call it. Um, if, you, if you were to imagine that treadmill now, and if you were to turn up at a notch, your feet would go further out behind you, but your upper body would come slightly more forward. And that slightly more forward bit is gravity kicking in, and that's what can help pull you forward. So 
that's probably it's a long-winded answer for <laughs> over a it's podcast. Good. But, no, it's fine. but if, it's even, even if you can imagine, like very simple things to imagine. One I would say for people, imagine you're on the treadmill and you just have to pick your feet up enough to let the road disappear underneath you. The second one would be to imagine you have a string from your chest or from your front and you're being pulled forward. Mm-hmm. And that gives you the sensation of you being pulled rather than you having to push. Yeah. It also stops all those people who love to look down at their toes when they're running. Because <laughs> as soon as you look down, you've lost your posture. So yeah. if you can feel that sensation of being pulled forward, it's amazing how you do float along a bit more rather than plod and pound off the ground. Okay, That's a long answer, sorry. It's a good answer. <laughs> it's a very good answer. Folks, you're listening to The Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. We're delighted to be joined in studio by Mary Jennings chatting all things running. Um, we looked at some really good tips there for beginners. Uh, the shin splint one I thought was really good about going from the heel strike to the mid the midfoot. Mm. Simple swap people can make. You know, if you do nothing else but try that different, try that technique, it'll make a huge difference to how you run along with your posture and not looking towards the floor. Really good. What about people who run then? So a lot of people who listen to the podcast who are 10K runners, half mm-hmm. marathon runners, we have a few ultra runners I know uh, listen in. What, how can they improve is my question. So they already run. Yeah. Everyone who runs wants to get better at mm. running. That's the no matter but what runner you, you meet. How do you define better? Do you find define better as being faster, longer, running in ten years time? Okay, let's what, go. What is a better start, runner? Let's start with faster then. Okay. Yeah, someone wants to get quicker. So someone wants to get quicker. Um, consistency, mm-hmm. of course. Speed work, and what speed work is, I suppose you know a lot of us. Not long. I'm generalising. You know, if you run the same speed all the time, you're going to stay at the same speed or if not, get a bit slower. I see that myself sometimes. I teach a lot of beginners classes and you notice that your own fitness drops. Of course, it even though you're for training you know, for you. No, no, no but it, it nearly goes the opposite way because you're holding your body a bit differently. Whereas if you want to get faster, I think surrounding yourself by people who are in the same, mm-hmm. in the same boat. So uh, even one session a week, I think can be, if it's a good one session a week, yeah. can be very, very good for people. And we use the word intervals, which is basically fast and slows. And that's the, and the speed session is the one everyone hates. Yeah, for sure. Because it's hard. Yeah, but you, yeah. you'll go if you're meeting someone else. You will, you? of course you will. Yeah. And you'll feel all the better after it. It's tough for me. It's, it's the session I avoid. I would rather run an ultra marathon <laughs> than do a fast lap of a track. And that's just because it's, it's we all have our comfort zones. And, mm-hmm. and we joke, one of the, the girls, Aoife, who teaches with me, she loves it. And she, you know, would turn them out herself, no problem. Um, but I would need more motivation and someone on my shoulder to do it. Um, but I'm not really that driven by getting that much faster. You mm-hmm. know, where if you have a goal to get faster, you have to think about how is every run I'm doing during the week going to contribute to that? And that's not about running every run fast. It's about recovering from the fast run well. It's about saying, well, what am I going to do in the fast run? You know, even if, say, someone's training for long distance, a park run is a great way to mm-hmm. improve speed work. Speed work doesn't have to be just about, you know, 100 metres. It's not, you know... You're not Usain Bolt. You know, if you want to be on, if you're talking long distance, say 10Ks and beyond, if you can do a fast kilometre at the end of a park run or something very simple, that slow kilometre, fast, slow, a fast and a slow, that's a lovely way to run a park run. Mm-hmm. You're getting out on a Saturday morning, you have a speed run done, you've, you won't stop because you're with a gang. You can go for your coffee afterwards. And that's one way of doing it. Now, they're quite long intervals and it's mentally very challenging to keep yourself going for a kilometre. So the obvious one is speed work. Yeah. Yeah. What else? Um, Strength works as well, you know, and everyone's different in what they'd like to do. I know I'm going to say I forget the gym. I'm not against gyms. I'm only like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're allergic to them and you won't go and you pay your membership and don't go, then get outside and do something else. But if a gym works for you and if you've got gym friends and you've got a coach or, you know, someone in there that you know what you're doing yourself, Go for it. Or you can, you can do your strength you. work outside. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's just really kind of having your body strong enough to support your body. Mm-hmm. And, and I suppose tying in with the strength side of things, if you're doing a lot of speed work, if you're doing strength work, you have to look at the opposite side of things as well. Not the opposite, but the complementary side, which would be mo- mobility yeah. yeah, or flexibility, a bit of both, um, is, is 
can your joints move through their full range of motion? Are you restricting your movement, not just necessarily by your running, but what you're doing the rest of the time? So for speed, I think, and, a, and a set your intention of what you're going to do on that particular run before you go out. It's going to be, you know, six times between these two trees or, and, um, you know, maybe if you can go with someone else, it'll, it'll share the load. They don't have to be the same speed as you. Mm-hmm. They could be doing slightly shorter interval or one less, but once you warm, and well warm up for that, that kind of thing, as, yeah. you know, but um, that certainly helps for speed. Rest, I mean, it can, <laughs> this was the same answers apply to the beginners as to the speed work, you know, what you do on, outside of the running is as important. So your rest and recovery, you're, you know, you're eating well and all the rest of it all, all contributes too. And for someone who's, um, we get this a lot in terms of questions that, that they hate running or they don't enjoy running or they really want to run, but they just don't like it. Mm. Okay. What can they do? Well, what, let's start, what start, should let's start they with do? the first person, the person who hates running. My next question would say, well, that's fine. If you don't like running and you don't want to do it, don't waste your energy thinking you should be doing it mm-hmm. and find something you enjoy. That's, you know, or... I would ask the question, why do you hate it? And is it because I'm always out of breath and I feel wrecked and my knees hurt and whatever? And in that case, I would start looking at, well, how are you running? How often are you running? Who are you running with? How fast are you running? And looking at what is it that you don't enjoy about it? Mm -hmm. If you're the kind of person who doesn't like the first five minutes, but loves all the rest of it and the feeling afterwards, then that's fine. That's just most of us, you know. Um, For the person who really wants to like it, but doesn't yet, I would say hang in there. It takes a little while to build it up. and as you build your confidence and as you build your fitness, then it opens up a whole new world to you. If you can get to your first 5K, it's a huge. I think that's the biggest milestone in any running because after that, it's just a matter of numbers. And even, I know it sounds maybe a bit unusual to say this, but I would say your first 5K is nearly a bigger deal than doing a first marathon because you go from being not a runner to being a runner. Mm-hmm. And that's very powerful. After that, you're just learning more and more and more and challenging your body in different ways. But you know you can possibly do it. Whereas until you get to the 5K, most people really doubt it. So I think the support, as I said before, like the beginner starting, getting someone to go with different routes. You know, if your same old running route is the same lap you're doing mm. every day, go somewhere else, get a bus somewhere, get a train somewhere, run home from work. Go, like we were saying with the park runs, go to where there's people around you. Make it a novelty, you know, go to get a dart to somewhere and say, right, we'll do, let's go off to, remember we did last year, we went off to Hoth and do a lap around there and then let's go for fish and chips. You know, you don't have to, you know, I know, am I allowed to say fish and chips <laughs> you to you? You can say whatever okay? you want. <laughs> but, you know, it's a bit of balance. You're, get, you're getting out, you're making a day of it, you're getting your fresh air and, yeah. you know, that that's what it is. So, so make it, I think yeah. make it enjoyable in different ways in that, you know, if you go out thinking you're not going to enjoy it, you're not going to enjoy it. Yeah, and be warmed up. When I say warm up, even if you're walking for five minutes first, loosen out and... You know, some people say, oh, I listen to music or podcasts. That's fine. If that's what gets you out the door to do mm-hmm. it in, in the grand scheme of things, the mindful runner, you leave it all at home, you know, but do what's going to make you get out there. And and I think as well, if you're, you know, I've gone through phases of up and downs with it. And, and you know, there's a lot of us around running comebacks all the time, you know. And I What think happens when you go through downs then? I'm fascinated by yeah. that. I, listen, I've I particularly yeah. busy times when the TV mm-hmm. shows on those yes. eight weeks by week three, I get so wound up and stressed out and just so just tense generally that my training, it absolutely falls by the wayside mm. for probably the, the final five weeks of that show. Yeah. So I go through the very same yeah. way you have my, that's what, and, mm. I, and I've learned with age to, to, to deal with it better and accept the fact that, you know what, yeah. I'll come back to that. I think you have to. I mean, I'm a big believer in the, the competitions only against yourself type of thing. And, you know, the, there are lulls and up and down. I'm trying to think of, even now I've, I've done more writing than running in the last year, course, really, if yeah, I'm honest. You put a book together, and the year, the year previous to that, I had a baby. So I'm really doing much less running now than I've ever done. And I don't. I certainly haven't ran beyond 10K in two and a half years. Yet the two and a half years before that, I was running 
all over the place. Mm-hmm. So it's a very different, you have to kind of accept that there's stages in life where running or certainly long distance running is not your priority or it, you don't necessarily even want it to be your priority. But then the comeback is all the harder, of course. you know, and, and I think most of the runners I know are people who run comebacks. They're not even brand new runners. The people mm-hmm. who've done it for a while, loved it, are so out of shape with it now that they're just dreading the coming back into it. And I think you just have to let that go. I mean, the last run I did, I went out myself and I probably did 30 minutes and I took four or five walking breaks in the middle of it. And I'll say that to you there now. Because but you I loved just it. but yeah, it was getting it. I just knew my I said, look, I'll just go out and just go for ten minutes and have a walk break. Like I am well able to run thirty minutes if I just put my mind to it. But I was like, oh, do you know what? I'm gonna stop here now and do a few exercises and I'll move on again and do this. But by breaking it up into small sections mm-hmm. and not setting myself out thinking, Okay, I did whatever time in park run yeah. last year, I need to do that now again. This I'm I'm not near my PBs in any of my distances. And if I was never going to go out and run because of that, I'd never run. We're all getting older. <laughs> like it's going to be harder to reach PB, you know, personal bests all the time. So we need different kind of triggers or drivers to get us out the door. Yeah. So I'd be an advocate of leaving the watch at home for those comeback stages. Because it, it, particularly fun. if you're the type of person who measures your running success by Strava or by, you know, how was this compared to this time last mm-hmm. year? You know, it is nice to strive forward. But if you know you need a kind of a little a month or two to get back to there, don't put extra pressure on yourself because you know, it's supposed to be something we can enjoy and it's supposed to be something, as you say, you're busy. It's, it's supposed to be to de-stress you, not to send you com- coming home thinking, oh my God, I've gone so far backwards in that. It's something else I'm not excelling in, you know. Um, so it should be something to balance all the madness rather than add to it. Which is easier, running a marathon or writing a book? Oh dear. Um, <laughs> I've forgotten both of them now. <laughs> <laughs> you forget I the think, pain of both. Do you know what? The book... <laughs> I, well, do you know what? First marathon or first book is probably the best thing. First, both of them are both very big learning curves course, for me. Yeah. Like the first marathon, and actually for both of them, I don't think I could have done either of them. And now both of them, I'm quite happy to have the, the medal <laughs> for. Um, they're different in different ways. I think the marathon was probably all about me originally. The book is all about writing about other people's and stuff. And it was really nice to have the opportunity to go back over all the archives, for want of a better word, of the different photographs over the years, the pictures, the stories over the years. And it's something I've always wanted to do more for myself than mm-hmm. anything else. Um, of just kind of, you know, taking stock of, of all the good times. It was nearly like, you know, the way you often make these little photo books for ourselves, for yeah. family. I always wanted to do that for Forget the Gym and the Running Girls and the different people you've met through it. And then when the opportunity came to actually put the training component, the training plans and all that to their together with the stories that people have done it it was just an opportunity really to say okay now I have a deadline and I will do it rather than put it off for another year same as a marathon you but get is, you a deadline, a deadline to work towards it's really, work isn't it yeah. really important because I know I would not have done the book and I would not have done marathons and a lot of things without having that the bit of a little bit of fear in you mm-hmm. and put a bit of a challenge too and a deadline and someone on your case <laughs> um, <laughs> it does. whether it's the running or the writing um, the consistency over time it all builds up isn't it even if you have dips along the way they all build back up and then eventually you get something like a race t-shirt or a medal or, or, or the finished product which is your lovely book so um, Get Running is the name of the book Forget the Gym Get Fit and Have Fun uh, it's available in all bookstores yeah online everywhere all over the place fantastic yeah. and if people want to find out more about you uh, where can they find out about yeah. it forgetthegym.ie is the website and I'm on Facebook I'm on Twitter kind of and I'm I'm <laughs> 
braving. Maybe will I brave Instagram soon, but I'm actually trying to do less of that and more of the getting outside at the moment. But yeah, definitely Facebook is our main main place and the website, forgetthegym.ie. Fantastic. Mary Jennings, thank you so much for coming into the Real Health Podcast. Folks, that is another episode of the Real Health Podcast in association with Leia Healthcare with me, Carl Henry. I really hope you enjoyed today's episode. Some great tips from Mary, some inspiration to get you at running, to improve your running. And uh, as ever, don't forget to run hard and run fast if you're a runner that wants to improve your time. It's absolutely crucial. As always, you can check us out. Um, I am on Instagram and on Twitter at CarlHenryPT, where you can ask us questions or realhelp at independence.ie. As ever, have a great week and we'll see you next week with another guest. Slong a Leia Healthcare. It's good to live. Proud sponsor of the Real Health Podcast with Carl Henry.